When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Yusuf Dahl, and when I was 18, I was convicted of selling drugs. For the past three years, I've had difficulty finding housing because it is legal in the United States to discriminate against individuals that have a past drug distribution conviction on their record for life. It doesn't matter if it was a hard drug like heroin or a drug that's now legal or partially legal in many states across the country like marijuana. The Thurman Amendment was introduced to the Fair Housing Act in 1988 by segregationist Strom Thurman, and it's since been used to deny housing to all people. But because people of color are disproportionately jailed for drug charges, we are affected more. My goal is to overturn this amendment to start an end to housing discrimination that unfairly targets people of color. If you would like to join this movement, please visit ThurmanAmendment.org to learn more. A message from the Fable and Folly Network. Welcome to DM to GM. The show that helps you feel more comfortable playing the games around the table that you want to play. I'm your DM, Russ Moore from Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm your GM, Sean Howard from Other Bothers. And with us today, a very special guest from Dark Dice and Liberty Vigilance, it's Travis Vingroff. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the show. It's an honor to be here. Uh, it's it's really fun to chat with you guys. It's always fun to chat with you. And uh, I say always because our, our other chats are not published yet. Soon. But we won't get we won't get there. We won't get there. We won't put you on. Well, no, I think we could we could drop it. We could drop a bomb here. We could be like, there are two people on this call, three people <laughs> on this call right now that are going to appear one day in Dark Days. Yes. <laughs> that we, we could say that. We could. One day. See, this puts him this puts him under the gun for the for the few people who listen to us to make sure that he gets that episode out. And one of the people on this call is trying to kill off two of the other people on this call. So really, the question today is when you have two players who you just really don't want on your show, how do you try and kill them off? Then <laughs> I respond with uh, the thing from the uh, the lucky die. I guess we're about to find out. Uh oh. We can talk about that. We could talk about when you've got this perfect dark horror show thing planned, and then you invite two comedy people into your table. And that's where you guys first met, right? Um, yes, actually, is at your yes. table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so you this is all is. your fault, Travis. This here <laughs> is all your fault. Full circle. Yeah, that was that was incredible. I'm excited to. I think I'd been listening to Dungeons and Dragons, but we had definitely not met or interacted in person. Yeah, no, I remember hopping on that call, not knowing anybody except Travis and being terrified out of my mind because I was like, oh, this guy who's from Toronto and does all these great audio fictions and Travis and all these things are happening. 
And then Sean. And, no, well, I mean, <laughs> I tried to pump you up there at the beginning, Sean, but yeah, and then Sean. So let's get to the format today. Let's get to the format. the format. So what do we... I'd read it, but Sean's rebooting his computer. So the format of the episode is we ask you to answer three questions. Those questions are, what game genre would you like to run? What system are you familiar with? Or which system do you want to use? And what hurdles are stopping you from running the game that you want to run beyond finding people because we we don't have people. Um, so those three questions are the ones that we want to answer. And you can send them to us either on our Discord, on Facebook, on Twitter, or to our email, dm to gmcast at gmail.com. Please do so. Link is down in the description for all that stuff. Now, today's question comes to our email from Ravenclaw2313. And they, as a synopsis here, are looking for an easier way to build encounters. So Ravenclaw2313, we'll just call them Ravenclaw for short, um, says, I really want to run a superhero game. One that's a little gritty and has a lot of space for internal conflict. What system are you familiar with or which system would you want to use? Uh, They say, the only games I ever run are D&D. They've played Anima and Savage Worlds. Hmm. Uh, I don't know what system they want to run for this. Uh, Would be totally open to learning something new, but don't want to learn anything that needs different specific dice. My collection is already out of control. Well, I mean, there's the tough part right there. I mean, Fate Core would be great for that, but it's got its own dice. Well, we... I think any of the, you know, Apocalypse System games could work because you just need the standard dice. Yeah. There's also Hero System, which is specifically built for making superheroes. There is there, there is that. Uh, what's what's the other one? Uh, masks? What dice? Masks, yeah, yeah. I've heard of Masks. Masks is good. It's like kind of, I think, uh, from what I understand of it, is like young heroes. No, I think they're just heroes, not young heroes, necessarily speaking. So there's a few that could get you started there, but let's get right to the crux of their problem. What hurdles are stopping you from running this game? They say they love running a table, love creating worlds and NPCs and interacting with players and building their backstories into adventures so they can accomplish goals. What they say is, I hate, and I mean to point that out, building 5e encounters with their challenge ratings and all of the different books and the in brackets, what it feels like to me anyways, lack of breathing room for improv or on-the-fly changes. They're looking for something that adapts easier, something where the monsters, uh, when we have to fight them, are simple to bring forth, and so are the allies to help you. I want a system that naturally focuses more on talking than fighting and still has dice rolls that mean something. Uh, is this important? I've thrown out the idea of running a series of one-shots in different game systems with my group, uh, and they seemed interested. Mostly, I just want out of 5e for my own sanity. So uh, there's a couple problems here. Is they're having trouble uh, being flexible with 5e, but also looking for something that's a little more um, open, open feel once you get down to it. Yeah, interesting. So as far as giving an exact system, I don't know if anyone of us are going to be able to do that on the call. I was just searching and pulled up a Powered by the Apocalypse list of games that are superhero. And so we named some of them. City of Mist, we didn't name Mass, Superhuman, uh, Worlds in Peril uh, are, are four here that came up for superhero. Right. Um, I've heard good things about Masks, but I have not played it. That's from Magpie. Um. But I think I I share the frustration. I share the frustration around the tables and the the fighting system and the 
lack of room in D&D for um, sort of more role-playing, improv-based gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I left D&D. Um, I still play D&D, and I play it with improvisers. Like I have a, a game running right now that's with all professional comedy improvisers. And I have to admit, I even then I still find it like we're I still find it restricting, right? Yeah. The, you know, we go around, we take our turns for battles, and everyone's doing initiative and a lot of die rolling. One of the things um, about D and D, and they've come a long way in the way that they've um, kind of planned out how encounters work, um, but they still are primarily based on the fact that. In order for an adventurer to feel taxed or to feel, you know, like an encounter is difficult, um, they need to go through like six to ten different encounters before you start to really feel like something is is difficult or is hard. So uh, and that's how they build their encounters. So by the time you reach that tenth encounter, it should be that lethal rating. So it's either super easy or you you start too hard. You start with the fast, the hard and fast one. Um, and then they end up dying, which you don't want your table to do all that often as well. Yeah. I mean, one approach, if you're going to stay D&D, is, I mean, to do what Travis did, which is you underpower your players. But they're superheroes. Right? That's, that's a little bit tough. It is a little <laughs> bit tough with superheroes. Um, but you did that in Dark Dice, right? You sort of keep us low level, right? Yeah. Like, experience is like never given out. And uh, even in my home games, I try to like really strongly limit any magic item will have some sort of like setback. It's like, oh, you've got this cool thing. But if you use it, there will be a problem. And more of the curse structure. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's certainly something you could do to stay in D&D. But, but yeah, that was one of the things I found most challenging with D&D. As you go up in levels, it just gets insane. Like you... Like I, I'm just catching up on Dungeons and Dragons, and you know, rust through a bunch of centipedes at the old players, right? And Tom was like doing like 37 damage a swing and seven attacks, right? Yeah. And so it's really there's this idea in D and D, your players hit this when you get that tw- level 12, level 13, like it's suddenly a sword is like imbued with like. I don't know, like uh, a ray gun. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just like disintegrates everything it touches. Uh, I mean, they try and I, I, I'm, I'm backing up D and D because you know you defend be, them. You defend them. Mark. That's what I play, and that's where I'm. That's where I'm at. Um, that's where your peeps that's are. That's right. Um, so they they try and structure it so when you're you're moving up in levels, is they have the tier structure. So they, in a way. So you narratively build your games differently as they move up. So when you're low levels, one to five, you you're not known. You have to fight little goblins. You have to fight centipedes. You have to fight all of this, this tiny stuff in order to get some more renown. Six to ten, you start to get more known. Um, You start to deal with a little bit harder problems. Um, 11 to 15 and and then so on and so forth. You just keep moving up. So you're not. The way they want the game to progress is that once you hit level 16, you shouldn't be going back to fight centipedes because there are other adventurers going to do that. You should be saving the world. Yeah, you should be off saving the world, fighting gods and fighting, you know, the deep underdark and and trying to find all of that. Yeah, but I feel Ravenclaw's pain here because I detest those trying to figure out the levels. So I would always cheat. We've Russ and I are different minds here as GMs. I would just like constantly be cheating behind the screen, right? Oops, 
those monsters are way too strong or, oh my God, they're going to obliterate them all in five seconds. I don't have a second round. Um, going to pump them up. Uh, but, but before we get off into that tangent again, um, <laughs> I can feel the, I can feel Russ's blood pressure rising. No, it's fine. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I think this is a powered by the apocalypse or a fake core. Now fake core would be new dice. So let's say something like powered by the apocalypse Ravenclaw. Okay. First of all, you can keep all your current dice and it simplifies the dice you're going to use. It can be a lot of 2d6 and then your other dice when needed. Um, there's a little bit of an adaptation running the game, but it's super fun because roles happen when the story calls for it and no other time necessarily. So a, a player, I guess, can call for it. Say, I want to try this special move here. But even then, you, you you can push your table to be like, well, no, tell me what you want to do. And then we'll figure out if a move is needed. Um, and there's none of this having to figure out how tough your enemies are. Because, because it's story-driven, your table can get very creative in how they solve problems. Um, you know, there's no initiative. There's no... Um, they can be, they can just sort of like, they can talk, try and talk their way out. They can, um, do things you don't expect. Um, and one of the core things in sort of a power by the apocalypse games is this idea that, um, we're in a D and D system. We have to come up with all these rules about what can hurt a dragon or blah, blah, blah. In a power by the apocalypse games, generally it's your, you're deciding based on what makes sense. If they're going to run up with a hammer, a, a little toy, a little hammer they picked up off the carpenter's bench and try and hit a dragon, you don't roll. You just like, you can sort of just have fun with what happens next. Um, so I feel like it might be a, it might be worth looking into some of those systems. And I just did a search for superhero and powered by the apocalypse and found four. Um, might be worth trying one. Yeah, yeah I would, uh, I would just second that. Um, I realized that the fate that I'd played was an older version and it's now called fate core. I Wikipedia search. Yeah. It was 10 sided dice at one uh, point. The version I played was, I don't know. There's like different fate capital versus fate, not capital. Um, and there's some yeah, like yeah. offshoots, I guess. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah Cause uh, I mean, for uh, another episode, we played a version or where we played fate core as it, as it stands today. Um, and well, yes, you do have. You, you don't even have to buy new dice for that. You need four d six. Yep. Um, so yeah, if you buy the system, it does help yeah. to have the fate dice. Like I found it helpful. Yeah, but you're it, right. You don't. It's have quicker to. to see. But yeah, one to two is yeah. a, is a negative. A three to four is a, you know nothing, and a five to six is a plus. Is how they is how they would work it if you're just using regular dice. Um, but fate core as well. Um, and I don't know about the version that you played, Travis, but um, it is very is much more movie or like cinematic or or, you know, TV show episode based. Right. You go in with your your set goal and everybody kind of knows the goal. It's how you get there that you can you figure out once you sit down at the table. Yeah, I, I would I would very much agree with that. Um and, and combat is less about logistics and, you know, figuring out super moves so much as it is just, you know, you describe what you want in a cinematic way and the dice give you like your rate of success, skinnier teeth versus like extreme success. And, you know, then you get like the story elements tying it all together. And that might be what you're looking for specifically. Um, if you hate putting together encounters, you'd be like, all right, you're fighting the praying mantis and his seven minion goons <laughs> like the mantets. I don't know. You've got options. The mantets, the I like that. There we go. Yeah. 
and I, I think I, it sounds to me like Ravenclaw, you, you're really good at running a table, doing NPCs, working backstory. It sounds to me like you're just asking for like, I don't know, I guess acceptance or I wouldn't say permission, but like, you know, is it okay to not play D and D? And yeah, it's totally okay. Um, and it's okay with your players. Like I've, I don't know about has anybody here had a problem. I have never had players. I'm sure it could happen, but I've never had players like walk out because we're not playing D and D. I mean, Amy like, almost. I usually did. let. What? <laughs> <laughs> it came close near the end of the fa- our fake core run. She's like, I just don't get this game. And then we played it again, and it was oh, all fine. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think I think what you do is you you basically set it up. You like you pitch your table. You're like, I want to try something super fun, super new. It's gonna be dark. It's gonna be gritty. It's gonna be superheroes. It's gonna be this thing, masks or whatever. And then you send them the whatever. I mean, the nice thing is if you switch to something like Fate or Powered by the Apocalypse, um, as long as you don't pick Dungeon World, don't do that. Um, as much as I love it, um, you don't have to send a massive book. To your table, you can send like a, a PDF that's like twelve pages long. Sometimes all you have to send is the character sheets, the playbooks, right? Versus D and D, everyone's got to buy the book. I mean, it's easier now; everyone just has to buy one book, really. But, <laughs> anyways, I'd say Ravenclaw. It sounds to me like you're just like, hey, can I? And I think we're all saying yes. Do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. Try any of them. Uh, if you listen back to the episode a few episodes ago, our first one shot that we ran, uh, we did a a one shot fake core. So it's a pared down version of fake core. You running the table uh, should probably look up so, how some of the things work. Um, but your players don't have to have any knowledge of the game coming in. Um, as Sean and Michael and Amy found out, uh, we can figure out. The game world, the game story, the characters, how everything works, what they have to roll in under an hour and then still play for an hour or more. And you can just try out a system that way before you dive in and really give it a, you know, commit a table to it for a a multi-session play. You can already hear what it was like to set up Fake Core. We did not have any, we were sent, I think, a couple background. I think it was one background document. Yeah. And and then we arrived and you can hear what happens at the table and how it goes down. And Powered by the Apocalypse generally, depending on the system, are pretty similar. So I guess the second part to this, if Ravenclaw decides that or the table decides that, no, we you know, maybe they try out a couple systems, but we want to keep D&D. What? Kill that table. Get a new table. <laughs> Total party kill. Just replace everybody. Wait, kill the characters and then ask the other people to leave. <laughs> but... Um, if they were to keep D&D, what are some ways that we can help them uh, build an easier encounter or maybe build in some flexibility by maybe sharing some of the ways that we do it for um, our own personal tables or even for the audio medium, which sometimes requires a little more flexibility than the game system allows in the moment. So if we just want to go around the table, so to speak. You know, let's start with Travis. Because yeah. I know Travis had like... 20 or 100 pages of documents that we kept getting we kept messing up because we would just go in a random direction. i do a lot of plotting so i'm not necessarily uh for my home games i will oftentimes find something online because in uh, drive-thru rpg you can like get scalable encounters for like a dollar or two dollars 
And to me, that time is worth more like than the Snickers bar I could have bought for that. Do- the vegan Snickers bar, I should clarify for the dollar, Naturally. like which would have been more than a dollar. But um, like that, those things just help out immeasurably if you're trying to to do it that way. Or if you're, you're trying to create it yourself and you want to have that sort of thematic approach, just make sure the numbers add up to your party's average level. Like, okay, I'm going to take one of these and just like, again, reskin a monster and just don't call it what it is. Like if you're using zombies, you don't have to say they're zombies. If you're using, uh, uh, in the back of the monster manual, they have like these really cool, uh, generic archetypes like gladiator and uh, wizard and, uh, sorcerer adept. So you can, you can take those and reskin them a thousand different ways and just never tell your player what the stats are or your players what the stats are. And also you can fudge stuff because they have no idea what they're encountering. So you can, I, I know Russ is now sweating visibly, but you, you can do that in home games. It's fun or even in recorded sessions, but that's, uh, that's my thoughts on the matter. Yeah, no, I like it. Look, I do I'm not neither. I'm neither here nor there on fudging rules. Okay. Sometimes. <laughs> uh huh. Sometimes it's. Yeah, we're buying this. I'm buying this 100. percent Yeah. It's fine, guys. Good persuasion check. <laughs> Deception check. Yep. Yep. I got it. Don't worry. They believe me 100. percent Um, some ways that I plan for encounters. Um, and most of the most of the games I play are recorded now. I ain't got I ain't got time for not recorded games. A lot of the time, I don't even set up what the encounter is going to be like. I have an idea of what it is. I may have a couple stats like bookmarked if we get to them. Most of the time, we we probably do get to them. Um, but I utilize uh, I utilize D and D Beyond. I have all the books right beside me, so uh, just at arm's reach. If we get to a point, I have an idea of what these characters are going to run into and when they're going to run into them, or I can quickly find it. Part of it is, for me, experience in knowing what my players can and can't handle um, and how tough I want this to be. Um, so it, it comes with a little bit of trial and error. I fortunately or unfortunately haven't total party killed anybody yet. Um, so maybe I haven't gone hard enough. Yeah, I'm always trying to kill them. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, we know. <laughs> Um, you all get to hear that in 2023. <laughs> so first of all, uh, to Ravenclaw again, or whoever's sitting here going, oh, I just hate encounter tables. Um, one of the things that happens in fake core and other systems is it's like the, the leveling is so much slower. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it, as the GM, it's so much easier because they go up a level and they don't suddenly do three tacks instead of two. And like, it's, they might gain one new move. Like, it's like, like a, Magic users are getting one new spell. So it seems to me when I'm playing those other non-D&D games that it's easier to gauge because I'm, it's just an incremental slow increasing that doesn't happen as often. So that makes it a lot easier. But in D&D, uh, I think there's a number of things you can that I use. Uh, first, um, I have a challenge in that I don't want to kill animals. And f- I think we counted over 50% of the monster manual are animals that are just right. larger than life or big. And and I just hate having to kill them because anyway, so so I'm really limited in like what I can pull from. And so what I do is one of two things. Um, I generally err on the side of a little weaker unless I really want to make this tough. And then I always am ready to bring more in. 
right? It's a really easy thing to do. I don't ever look at the encounter tables. I don't ever add everything up. I'm like, you see seven centipedes coming at you and then they dispatch those quickly. And I'm like, well, there's 30 coming over the wall and attacking some villagers. And you just could just, so you can always bring in waves of creatures if it's too easy. And if it's too hard, you have a few options. Um, I don't like to bring in the cavalry too often because it starts to make the players feel like, right, they, they don't have agency. They can't do it on their own. There's no risk. Like that means bring in another NPC to help them. But I do do things where, unlike Russ, maybe, I will start be- realizing, okay, one character just died. <laughs> the cleric <laughs> is down to five hit points. I don't want a TPK, so I'm going to have you know a horn sound the distance that's retreat, or I'm going to have I'll have the main baddie there step forward and 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 basically um, tell everyone else to back off because he's going to kill the paladin with the, the give the killing blow, or I'll just set it up in a story format like to give the players a chance to do something even if I don't know what it is. So those are some things I use when it's too hard. I like the challenge approach. That sounded really, that's good. So I think Ravenclaw, I hope we answered your question. Uh, If we did and you found out that some of these game systems are great, let us know which one you used or which ones you tried. Send us an email, dm to gmcast at gmail.com. And if you need more clarification on anything, uh, do the same. Let us know and we'll do our best to help you along there. Travis is going to join us again next week. But in the meantime, Travis, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dark Dice Pod. And you can also find me on Facebook as Dark Dice or the Reckless Play Guild uh, Facebook group. It's a lot of fun. You should be there. Yeah, we're all over there. Come join us there. You can actually find all three of our shows in the Reckless Play Guild. Yeah. I just put that together. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to dm to gm If you have questions about getting your game started, send them to us. Russ and Sean. Our email is dm2gmcast at gmail.com. You can also visit us on Facebook or on Twitter at dm2gmcast. You'll find all the links down in the description. In the meantime, get your game started. We'll talk to you soon. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Graham Shapiro is a decent man. Gideon Media's hit sci-fi thriller, Give Me Away, returns. There's a lot of people screaming in that prison right now. So screen me. Just know up front, I'm going to have input. What happened? Are you all right? Dad. Tell us everything. It seems like you want to scare us into thinking you're going to let us starve. But should your treatment of us ever cause this decent man to let me off the leash again, anything is possible. Give me away season two, starting April 11th.